0: All right, welcome in a Tuesday edition of Locked on Syracuse. We have you every single weekday, your only daily Syracuse podcast out there. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So, Ty, the big story to get into off the top here is basketball recruiting because the contact period is back open as of midnight on monday night players or i should say sunday night we always get the days mixed up because we're sitting here on monday talking about the tuesday it's locked on time that we live in and
1: to (laughs) for those who don't understand what locked on time is basically tim and i record these episodes the night before the afternoon before whatever so we're talking to you now on tuesday but we are actually talking to each other on monday and right. that's why I feel like my weekend starts on Thursdays because we're, yeah, we're done with the the Friday episode. So Friday feels like Saturday and it just throws everything off.
0: All right. Well, yeah, you know, it, it throws me off for sure. And I don't know if anyone really cares about our schedules, but that's our spiel <laughs> on locked on time. So so anyway, the the contact period is opened up and now I mean, basically, when I go on Twitter, it's just x-player offer from x-team and it's all the and they're flooding and, in and, they're, yeah they're coming just in hot moves. and heavy now and we're going to get you caught up on chance westry donovan Klingon, what they got offers wise and now who syracuse is competing with for that but some of the bigger news was who syracuse offered and one of those players is a really good player in the 2022 class top 10 recruit Jarris walker out of img academy 66 220 just a beast basically when you watch his highlight tape and someone that is ranked number eight overall in 24 seven sports.com has a good offer sheet and maybe you can get him because you already have Dior Johnson. I mean, they do technically speaking have the best class in 2022 right now because they have the only five-star commit in Dior Johnson who's number five in the class. Maybe now you can land number eight because Walker's someone who kind of fits more into what the position they might need for once it does roll around to 2022.
1: Yeah. We talked about this amongst each other. We talked about this with Matt Gutierrez and that backcourt is pretty, assuming Dior Johnson comes, that backcourt is pretty set. And the need for a guard is very, very minimal, especially of the caliber of guard that you'd probably be looking at, at least based on the early indications of your return so far in this class of 2022. So you're looking more for a big man, someone who can make a difference in in the front court, or maybe a wing, something of that nature. And Jairus Walker is exactly that. Five stars, 6'6", closer to 6'7", than he is 6'6". And and he's growing, too. Again, that's something to to keep in mind with a lot of these guys, where if you're 6'5", now, well, you might be 6'7", by the time you you play college basketball. So he's 6'6", and growing right now. He's a big dude. I mean, we we talk so much on this podcast where – you, you find a Syracuse recruiting target, and they are 180 pounds, 190 pounds, maybe 200 pounds. But Jairus Walker is 220, and you may think, okay, well, does that limit his skill set? No, it doesn't. This guy's a high flyer. He's a dunker. He yeah. He can dunk from the free throw line. He can go behind the back. He can pull out his whole bag of tricks. And he's a super athletic specimen that I think would really, I think he's going to be one of those guys, whether or not he comes to Syracuse, we're going to look at him in, what is that, 2022. So that's two years away now. We're going to look at him as one of those guys who made college basketball really fun.
0: Yeah, he is. I mean, for 6'6", 220, he can jump out of the gym. And there's some fun YouTube clips of him doing some posters. Kind of has some Andre Guadalla in his game a little bit. That's I'm happy you said clarity. Iguodala
1: too, because I know someone out there is listening right now and thinking, say Zion, say Zion, say Zion. I'm not going to say Zion. <laughs> no. Okay. We're not we going to put that the Z word out there. Right. Exactly. But,
0: and if we were putting the Z word on him, then there's no way he'd come to Syracuse. Probably. I think he's <laughs> because it's 2022 and you already have the Dior commitment. There's a chance there, but let's keep in mind that a lot of schools could be talking about, Jairus Walker in this way. I mean, Florida, Maryland, Georgetown, LSU, Nova, Kentucky. Those are some of the schools that have offered him as recently as when this contact period just recently opened back up. So good to see Syracuse doing what they should be doing in 2022, which is getting on players early and trying to capitalize on Dior Johnson. As we've always said, he might not come, but he's guaranteed he's going to bring others and that is going to be Benny sophomore year, JG three senior year. If Quincy's still around, he'd still be around. Like there's a lot of alignment there for that to be one of the best Q's teams in a while. So we'll keep wa- watching Walker's recruitment. The other uh, one more mention, thing I want to throw out there yeah. about
1: Jarris Walker too is that this is a guy who is very very close with Will Barton, who plays for the Denver Nuggets. Right and. Will Barton, he funds and backs and even sometimes coaches the AAU team that he plays on. So he views him as a big-time mentor in his life. And Will Barton's a Memphis guy. So just keep that in mind because Memphis obviously <laughs> one of those programs who's been getting a lot of five stars, a lot of big-name guys, and maybe Will Barton, if he, if he does end up going to college and, and – maybe doesn't opt for a G League level thing, because he's one of those candidates who could get a G League level contract. But Will Barton, if he does go to college, may try to funnel him to Penny Hardaway. So that's just another little wrinkle to throw in there. Don't get your hopes too high, but just know that this 2022 class is probably going to be pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's funny how basketball recruiting works from the Syracuse lens. There's kind of two camps of teams that you're competing against. And one of those camps is a team like Memphis that I kind of smile at over here because you know they're probably dropping bags and you know it's like a whole nother wrinkle that comes to it. And that's, it's funny because Chance Westry, he's the other guy I want to talk about where he gets all these offers and now he's catapulted into the top 25 on most recruiting sites for that 2022 class. And Syracuse has been linked to him for a while, but I see today that Auburn has offered Chance Westry and Auburn's a football school, right? Like, but well, Well, they, I mean, they went success. to a Final
1: Four, not two, yeah. two years ago. I, or I guess they technically they're... went to the last Final Four. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm not saying they're not a good basketball program, but they play in a football conference, the SEC, and you don't think, okay, Syracuse should be able to beat Auburn. But to me, Auburn's Bruce Pearl, and it's a little more scary because I feel like Auburn maybe has a little more sway to getting a chance Westry or they're willing to offer a little bit more is I guess how I should phrase it. But Westry got a whole bunch of offers. Louisville and Virginia are two notable ones because they're in the conference. And this is someone you talk about players that can grow. He's six four now. Maybe he blossoms into a forward, but it does feel like it would just really sting if he went somewhere else based on, for how long and how early Syracuse was kind of tied to him.
1: Yeah, this is a guy who, I mean, we've talked about it. We thought he was going to commit back in what? January, February? Yeah. It, whenever it Dior like, did. I yeah, can't keep track. It, it, <laughs> it feels like that was kind of his timetable. We didn't think Chance Wester would be a name still on the market by the time we hit June 16th, but alas, here we are, and we don't know when when anything's going to change with him. Maybe he is waiting for the G league to reach out to him at some point, if it comes down to that and we'll see. I mean, you're going to see a ton of offers flood in for all of these guys over these next couple of days, because now the coaches can reach out. They've, they've done their scouting. They, they have a good feel for who they want to offer, especially in this top 100 list of whatever recruiting service you prefer. So they've done their homework. They know what guys they're going after. They know what's realistic for them too. So We'll, we'll see. I, this live period certainly opens everything up.
0: Yeah. And then the last guy I wanted to mention real quick Donovan Klingon, the center who, you know, when we talked to Matthew Gutierrez, it's been pretty apparent that Goody thinks Donovan Klingon is at the tippy, tippy top of Jim Beheim's center wish list. And that guy that he thinks could really change the program. Well, Syracuse was his first offer. Now he's jumped all the way inside the top 60 on some of these recruiting sites. He's finally getting the rankings he deserves. And he's someone that really is going to see a lot of offers come in from this contact period, opening back up and coaches being able to reach out. He's already gotten Notre Dame and Michigan State as of us talking here on Monday afternoon. And, you know, it's one of those players that you just hope that by Syracuse being that first offer and being on him early, that'll pay dividends down the road. And
1: Syracuse was the one offer too that kind of catapulted his profile. So once Jim Beheim offered, that's when you started to hear some buzz, and then you saw him get into the the ESPN top sixty for twenty twenty. So there is palpable buzz to to quote John Rothstein around Donovan Klingon right now. And again, the, he he's one of those guys who you're seeing the offers pour in from high profile and guys guys who know talent too. Tom Izzo offered him Mike Bray offered him Um, he he has that Rutgers offer that came in today too so they're coming in for Donovan Klingon and it'll probably start regionally
0: you'll see Big East uh, Big Ten reach out to him and then it's only going to grow from there so that gets you caught up on where things stand now that the contact period is back open in basketball recruiting for 2022 we'll talk some offensive line that scary conversation is coming up on where that position group is at in the future and how things might be looking up a little bit in that regard but first got to tell you about my favorite way to maintain and repair my car that is by going online to rockauto.com rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers today they have an amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car or truck will ever need at rockauto.com. I actually went recently to rockauto.com and got my car tweaked up a little bit. And it's just a lot easier right now. You feel a lot safer about the process. Don't have to deal with those intimidating questions, those somewhat pointless questions that they keep asking you when you go in person to get your car repaired. And you just feel better about the process. Feel like you're maybe not getting ripped off, which is always a threat when you go to some of those in-person shops. So right locked on... And their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. And go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All right, so we're going to have some fun a little bit later on in the show and do a new segment called Recruiting Rewind. But before we get to that, I want to talk some football and the offensive line. We kind of teased it yesterday. I think you mentioned at the end of the Monday episode, Tyler, how We might have to talk some offensive line. I said I had to get mentally prepared because the reason why we're talking about this, it's almost like talking about the centers in basketball. You you quiver a little bit when you think at some of the scar tissue that that position group has given you from watching Syracuse recently and most notably last season. But I do think the reason why it has been that troublesome position, it's important to talk about. So we'll take some time now and sort of talk about what maybe the future is at the offensive line position. I think kind of the big elephant in this discussion is Chris Blake because he's the Florida transfer who was such a big ad for them. And now we're just sort of waiting to see if he gets his waiver passed and if he's eligible to play next season. Obviously to me, that's about as big of a decision as you can have that waiver on impacting one team maybe outside of the quarterback position if you're waiting on that given where Syracuse was last year and how much they need offensive line help and how talented Blake is I feel like that decision could honestly change my expectations on the team pretty dramatically
1: it'll be interesting it's always you always get giddy when you're a Syracuse fan and you've got an SEC transfer coming in and it's not like Arkansas no it's Florida big time program down there but so Dino Babers was on the Jim Rome show yesterday, and he talked about how he he needs Tommy DeVito to have protection if he wants to have success next year. Last year, Tommy DeVito was the most sacked Power Five quarterback, twelve percent sack rate, and so the the math there says every about what eight and a half sacks he's he's going or eight and a half dropbacks he's going to the turf, and that needs to change. Now I will say this. Towards the end of the season, they actually looked pretty good when they started shuffling things up. And really I think the the main piece of the puzzle I want to look at here is Ryan Alexander. So he leaves the program right before the sure FSU subject. game. Yeah. And in the I'm gonna only look at the power five games leading into that, but in the power five games, you're you ready for the sack totals that, that came about? I don't think I am. <laughs> well, you're getting them anyway. You got four, then eight, then eight, then nine. And then you're left in shambles the days leading in to FSU and you let up seven against the Seminoles. So, yeah. I mean, th- that average it was just every game, yeah, every game, Tommy DeVito had zero time to throw. If he wasn't sacked, he was getting hit. And after that FSU game, they go to BC, close out the year with Duke, Louisville, and then um, and then Wake Forest and you're looking at eight total sacks over those four games that's a the average of 2 there from where it felt like you were getting tossed to the ground at least six times a contest was absolutely dramatic and even though Syracuse didn't blow away the competition they still went 2 and 2 during that stretch and including a game against Wake Forest where you probably didn't expect them to win so the offensive line started playing better and Syracuse as a result, ended up playing a little bit better. And if you're going to be bringing back some of those pieces that played well on the offensive line, especially down the stretch, and I think the big one is Matthew Bergeron. But yeah, he was good. The offensive line needs to be better if the Syracuse team wants to have any chance next year. And and they showed signs. I know we've kind of ragged on the offensive line this entire offseason, but once I dove into the numbers a little bit, I have to give out credit where credit's due. They were really good towards the end of that season. You'll, you'll live with two sacks a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, they definitely made strides. I like Bergeron a lot. I think he's blossomed into a pretty nice recruit that's a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, Kadir White's kind of a puzzling one where given what his talent level was and what the accolades said on the recruiting sites, you maybe thought that we would have heard from him by now or seen him on the field more. I hope that this is kind of that year maybe where he finds his way into the rotation. Now it's tougher And again, I'm sure some people are listening, thinking, why are they even talking about this year? Because it might not happen. Well, you know, we're, we're just going to go into the hypothetical world that it is happening. And if it does happen, then we're ready for it, (laughs) if it happens. So that's the best way to do this whole thing, I think. And the offensive line is going to be big. I remember being at the ACC kickoff down in Charlotte in the offseason last year, you know, Syracuse had so much buzz after that 10 win season, there was a lot of palpable buzz as we've used that now twice from John Rothstein's toolbox, but there was, and, and it does feel like looking back on that, Dino was very quick to say the key to our season is the offensive line. And kind of in hindsight, maybe we should have taken that more at face value when he said it, because yeah, he was they right Started to play. Well, I mean, he was dead on. He also said that he thought our defense is really, really good. Well, then you fired your defensive coordinator after BC scored like 60 on you by just running it up the middle. But anyway, there there was some things he said that maybe he'd like to have back. That's true for a lot of coaches. Obviously, you're going to be pretty high on your team for the most part. But the offensive line he knew was going to be that key. Ryan Alexander, we just assumed, would fill in nicely. And maybe we're kind of assuming that with Chris Blake if he gets this waiver pass. But to me, it's different because Blake is coming from Florida.
1: True. Yeah. I mean, I I will say this one thing that is a little more uplifting in terms of what's going to happen with this offensive line is a lot of these guys are returning starters or you're going to be getting guys who you you feel like you might have a bit of an upgrade. But as for guys who are returning and and could start for you next year, definitely you're looking at uh, Aaron service. Carlos Vettorello at the center position, and Matthew Bergeron at your other tackle, and then the guards. You don't know exactly what's going to happen with transfer waivers and stuff like that. But what what you're seeing on the the spring practice depth chart was Patrick Davis and Darius Tisdale. Now Dakota Davis's name could be thrown in there, Bleich as well. So yeah, I'd got, expect
0: Davis to start.
1: Yeah, you you've got a lot of veteran Dakota, presence. Yeah, you've got a lot of veteran presence. I, I'm just to read it off for you across the board. Redshirt senior, senior, redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, and sophomore, and that's that's the the spring depth chart. That's not including some of the other add-ons, which would be upgrades if they end up coming in. So I know age doesn't necessarily mean acceleration, but it's something that, especially with a guy like Bergeron, who's moving ahead of schedule, it feels like you're going to have guys who are are better and are, are have some experience. And also have had a little bit of success, too, especially towards the, the final stretch of that 2019 season.
0: All right, so we're going to introduce a very fun new segment when we come back. But before we do that, got to tell you about BuiltBar Bar, because they have an awesome deal this week. There is no better time to go to BiltBar.com. If you've been thinking about getting that first box, it is now the week to do it, because they have up to 50% off this week, only this week, at BiltBar.com. And the other really cool thing is 100% of the profits that they're making this week will be donated to organizations that support education, quality, and ending hate and racism. A really, really cool initiative. Big props to our friends over at BuiltBar.com. And as always, you can still use that promo code, too, and get $10 off that first box of these delicious protein bars that... Are basically candy bars that you don't feel guilty about after you eat them. So go to builtbar.com, use that promo code locked on. You can get up to 50% off just this week. Okay, time to wrap up this Tuesday show, and we're gonna have some fun introducing a new segment. We're gonna call it Recruiting Rewind. Basically, the concept is pretty simple. We're gonna take a look back at one of the somewhat recent, but Laid out classes. So, in this example today, we're going to look back at the 2016 Syracuse basketball class. I'm sure we'll do some football on this too. Kind of scan through and just reflect on how it went down. Almost give an overall grade, how it fared compared to our expectations, remind people what was going on. So, to kind of set the table, 2016, the reason why we picked this class to start this series off is. Pretty wild what happened in this class. This is the Tyus Battle, Matt Moyer, Torian Thompson class that entered fresh off of the Final Four. Also two transfers, Andrew White, John Gillen were joining the team. Thompson was obviously a late ad along with Andrew White. He was about as late as it could come, but we'll stick to the three recruits. And the thing that's so weird about this class, tie is Battle stayed the longest by far and he actually stayed probably a year longer than I thought, especially after his sophomore year. He stays for three years, but you really only get two combined seasons from Torian Thompson and Matt Moyer when you factor in the Matt Moyer redshirted a year, then just played one year. And now Thompson and Moyer are on their way to being on their third school. Thompson, no announcement on where he's heading. We know he entered the transfer portal from Seton Hall. And Matt Moyer is off to George Washington for a grad transfer year. So the 2016 class, I would have guessed Tyus Battle would have been the first to go because of maybe the NBA, like it panned out. And that was such a success. But the other two just didn't really get to reap any rewards because they left.
1: Yeah, and looking at the national rankings and ultimately how everything shook out. So Tyus Battle, he's he's your top gun. He checks in at 34, and that feels in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you got to look through some of the names. A number of them are in the NBA and or or have have been highly touted um, NCAA champions and, and stuff like that. Um, but Tyus Battle, I mean, that 34 seemed pretty spot on. I feel like the, yeah. the 24-7 guys kind of hit that on the head. And when I look at this class, yes, it's... It's a weird class, definitely unorthodox, because I think you hit it right on the head where you talk about the fact that you thought Tyus Battle would probably be the first one out the door amongst them, when in reality, he he hung around the longest. If you, if you look at the rankings of each guy, so you got Battle 34, Moyer 66, Thompson 74. In terms of, of playing ability, and you had to, to rank these guys one to three, I think they they mixed up uh, Torian Thompson and Matthew Moyer. I, I agree. Think that yeah. That Thompson, even though it was it was short lived at Syracuse and, and tumultuous at times, it was much better, or he was a much better player than Matthew Moyer was. Matthew Moyer was an awesome guy to be around, and he was very talkative, totally. funny. Like I, I had some classes with him. He was always a very a very polite, nice nice kid. Um, but I think Th- Thompson gave you an offensive element that you were craving especially for some of these Syracuse teams that you've seen where they do struggle to score the ball offensively. And he came in, you got to remember, Daywon Coleman was the starting center on a Final Four team, and sure, he battled some injury problems his senior season, but Thompson came in because he was a breath of fresh air for that team. And he was pretty good, and he showed that he could do a lot offensively, defensively.
0: A lot to be desired,
1: but yeah, <laughs> there was right. He showed the flashes that he could be a really good player.
0: He's a big what if because if he could have gotten the defense together, I really think he would have had a very successful. Syracuse he
1: he would have been an All ACC big man.
0: Yeah, and like I, I, some I'm some going to go that far. At that, I'm not saying all but, first
1: team, but I'm saying he would have been an All ACC big man.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of offensive big men. He would have been right at the tippy top recently and the best one since rack. I know he's not as much of a true center. He was a little more lanky and skinny and just didn't really fit the zone as well as maybe like from an anchor, but offensively he had the jump shot. He just had a lot more offensive pop to his game than what we've seen recently. I'd agree. Moyer step out and shoot kind of,
1: too. Yeah. A little bit. we
0: kind of underachieved and, You know, he did have some injuries when he came in. That's part of the reason why he redshirted. He showed some flashes. He had that big UConn game, but he only averaged three points a game in his one season. He started 20 games that year and just didn't really hold his starting spot. It's also fun, and I think this is another thing we can do when we do these recruiting rewinds, is to look at who they missed out on. Because when you go to the 24-7 sports page, you have to keep in mind, too, during this time period... There was some talk about how many scholarships they would have, and the recruiting right. violations were very much a thing. And you also already knew well, you didn't know—but you were after the grad transfer market as well, and John Gillen and Andrew White. So and that was a home a run that less. they hit
1: in the grad transfer pool, too. Yeah, I mean, right. even though that team didn't go to the tournament, such a that was—I mean, I, I was in school during that time. That was the best team that I saw, <laughs> which is sounds so weird <laughs> yeah. to say, but that was the best team, even though they were the only team that didn't go to the tournament during my, my four years there. They were the best team.
0: Yeah. If you could have combined that team with the team after, I think it was the year after where they went to the Sweet 16 magically, yeah. it was like the complete reverse because that Sweet 16 team was great defensively, bad offensively, didn't have any marquee wins, and then the NIT team had all kinds of wins and finally figured it out after that awful St. John start and everything. So some of the other recruits they were after, two big ones that stand out, Omer Yurtseven, who went to NC State, then went to Georgetown, was the guy from Turkey who was pretty high, had Syracuse pretty high on his list, the center, seven-footer. There was some talk of him coming, but once Thompson came kind of late, I think Thompson was July 1st before that year, right around that time. It was very late. And then the other center, James Banks, went to Texas. It's amazing how many of these guys have transferred. But then he went to Georgia Tech, and Syracuse fans might remember this past year, James Banks had like 32 points and just was in the middle, that ACC logo of the zone, and just did not miss a single shot. And it was the type of player where you were like, man, that would have been perfect to have right now. And that would have maybe altered the way we think of Syracuse basketball. They also offered like Harry Giles, but he was the number two player in the country that year. Altery Gilbert, who went to UConn. VJ King went to Louisville. That's kind of the extent of who they offered. I'd say Yurt Seven. I remember there were some rubblings that he might come, but in hindsight, it's just tough because I thought Thompson was a good one at the time. I still feel that way. And maybe some people will say, well, he went to Seton Hall and he didn't do anything. So I think saying all ACC is ridiculous. I'm with you, though. Like, if he had stayed at Syracuse, I think he would have progressed. And it could just be one of those that we're going to assume the best because we won't know otherwise. But I really feel like Thompson's the the huge what-if from this class that makes it so tough to rank overall how it's panned out.
1: And the thing with Thompson, too, is that, I mean, there was the tampering stuff. So... Who knows yeah. where his head was during that entire season when he's essentially trying to be pried away from Syracuse that entire time and probably knows in the back of his mind that he isn't coming back to Syracuse. So there were so many external things. I mean, Torian Thompson, you want to go through a, a case study of just strange things. Torian Thompson, I mean, he, he left the program, announced that he was transferring. I believe it was the first day of school of that yeah, that he just next season. From he just withdrew yeah. and everything and he was off into the portal and I mean that was just a weird, weird experience of of a college basketball player. Of being around him and everything. But no, I think that that is the great what if of this class. If Syracuse had had gotten three, four years out of Torian Thompson, what could he have done? I mean, what could he have done for himself too? Are we talking about a guy who maybe could be in the NBA right now? Because he fit yeah. that mold of what the the modern big man is, a guy who can step back and shoot. So he reminded me, of course, not nearly – so I'll say the, the poor man's rendition of this yeah. guy, but of a guy like Mar- uh, Marvin Bagley. He was very similar, long, lanky. And a bit, he, yeah. he could step out, shoot a little bit. He had some good post moves. So, obviously, not nearly the the caliber of a guy who ends up going number two overall in the NBA draft. But he showed little bits and flashes of of Bagley, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Thompson's freshman year at Syracuse: nine point two points per game, three point eight rebounds in seventeen point nine minutes. A game, and that so, doesn't
1: sound really good. But remember, he didn't play a ton to start. He kind of worked his way into the rotation.
0: Yeah, I mean, just eighteen minutes. It's it's better than what we've seen from some of these other centers or big men recently in their first season. Yeah, and I mean, we're, obviously, we're the defense was really bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we oh do, no, we, we can't
1: uh, we can't overstate that enough. It <laughs> yeah. it was awful. It was yeah. it was turnstile defense, and the thing with him is. There were times when Bayheim would just get so fed up with it in the first two, three, four minutes, he'd yank them and he'd never come back in. So, yeah. and honestly, if you watch his defense, I don't blame Bayheim by any stretch no. of the imagination, especially with how That's freshman
0: in the zone yeah. to an extent. But it, so.
1: it was an effort thing, I think, with him. He wanted yeah. to to get his buckets and and pick up his ball and go home and and take his stats with him to the locker room because he he didn't see a lot of, of good in, in accumulating um, accolades that didn't show up in the box score. It felt like.
0: Yeah. So to recap, I'd say Tyus Battle somehow overachieved. I think, if anything, the 34 yes. ranking and just really sheer fact a-
1: that he stayed three years and made an impact in all three years.
0: Yeah. He, he had some big moments in the tournament. He had some 40-point games. He had the Georgetown shot. I mean, he has hit about as many clutch shots as any recent Syracuse player. And he was the best got, player
1: on a team for two years.
0: Yeah, literally. And even his freshman year, he had the Clemson shot.
1: Yeah, and wasn't I the best think, player that year, but definitely was the best player his, his sophomore and junior year.
0: Yeah, you could see the seeds were being planted, though. I remember that Duke game where Gillen hit the shot. You know, I was watching that back recently when they had the ACC takeover thing, I think, and Battle hit a lot of, like, his patented step-back shots around four or five minutes left in that game to kind of bring them back in it and regain the lead, which is pretty big time from a freshman when there was, like, 30K in the Dome against Jason Tatum and Duke and that whole team. So anything else on the Recruiting Rewind or, or first edition?
1: I would just say that the ranking of 18... I don't know what ranking you can give this class. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go through the research of looking at every other college basketball team who overachieved, who underachieved. I don't have that time. You can't rank it. Even in quarantine. But I will say this. I mean, I I give the grade of incomplete because this is too much (laughs) of a what was this class because, again, you got three years of Tyus Battle and two years of two other guys. Two years combined of two other guys. So... But I, if I had to grade it, if you include the transfers, this was a hell of a class.
0: Yeah, because you got Tyus you Battle,
1: Andrew White, yeah. and, and John Gillen, who all, I mean, they put their heart out on their sleeve. And even though they only played at Syracuse for one year, they feel really like a, a big part of this Orange family, by the way, that they are playing for Beheim's Army. Not just this year, but they've played in the past, too.
0: Yeah. And they had so many moments, John Gillen especially. Just really, It's like he was there for three or four years, the way he kind of made his imprint in the Syracuse community. So that recaps our first recruiting rewind. We'll hopefully have some fun and continue to do these throughout the summer with some more football and basketball classes, kind of a fun way to reflect back on things. So we'll be back tomorrow on the podcast, and we're going to talk about Syracuse football some more. They've got a new transfer from McNeese State, a defensive end, who could be a pretty good add for Syracuse. We'll talk about his game, what he'll bring, and probably some more recruiting stuff as we continue to monitor the contact period as that ratchets back up this week. So thanks for listening. As always, go check out the Locked On NFL podcast after this one. And for Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.